what up, what up? This is Francis, aka Father Francis, with the Southern Sauce Podcast. Thank y'all for turn- tuning in to another episode. I have my brother here, Justin, aka Jet Brown. What's up? What's up? What's up, Jet? Good man. Kind of tired, but hey, I'm heard right. heard that, and I also have Nina here. She's just hanging out with us for a little bit. Justin, you here, bro? You here, man? I appreciate you coming down. I made it, man. I made it. Finally, finally, I made it. Oh, after four hundred miles at work, yeah. three hundred miles down. Yeah, we did seven hundred, man, to get here. You know, within you know about fifteen hours, but okay. But we had to do it. Had to do it. So we drove seven hundred miles today. Yeah, man. Some of it for work. Some of it to get here. Yeah, but you're definitely. here. And we're recording First chance we get Yes sir Yeah that was the goal man I appreciate you making that trip bro Gotta do it Yeah So um, For everybody listening Justin Man Is 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 one of my brothers And you know I, I claim My boys that I grew up with My brothers But we really are brothers man um, From a From a long time ago Um Talk regularly. Been talking a lot more regularly now. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, always have a great conversation, man. It's always something that we can uh, find that we're going through, or lean up on each other and talk about and kind of relate on things. And that I'm I'm just glad to have you here and and appreciate you listening, man. It, you you my strongest listener, bro. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> seriously. Talking, I was talking to Nina earlier. I said I'm a I'm a corner new phrase. I think I'm a sauce head, man. I mean, I'm I'm really a sauce head. I listen to the show daily. Wow. On wow. my on my on my ride every morning, I listen. I listen. Okay. Okay. And Southern Sauce was my introduction to podcast. Period. Okay. So then you showed me the hot boxing, and I dabbed in some. Other things, but definitely, mm-hmm. I love the show. And like I was saying, it's it's very refreshing to hear someone you know, mm-hmm. and also the relatability of it of what they're saying, and you know that it's valid, you know that it's true. Mm-hmm. So, I think <clears throat> it's really key to a podcast is the honesty part of it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, this is this is like this is an experiment for us. It's kind of like it's an experiment. It's a project. Um, I've heard I've heard podcasts be called a passion project mm. by some people, and I don't know if I would classify it as a passion project all the way because I've been sporadic with it. You know, if you're listening, I mean, if you're saying you're listening all the time, bro, you you have to be listening to. To episodes over and over because I haven't definitely, been really, definitely. haven't been putting them out like that, but but I need to, and I want to get to that point. But um, definitely a project. Um, as far as the talking, you know, I'm new to podcast too, about two years. Okay, and you know, one day it was well, it was Instagram videos. It was uh, look tired of listening to music, and then you get scroll on Instagram. It's called death scrolling now, as I just recently mm-hmm. learned. You know, you're just mindlessly scrolling, like yeah. just watching something 10 seconds and just watching something. Yeah, I looking. Yeah, we all guilty of it. Well, then they had um, a clip of Mike Tyson talking. And, you know, Mike Tyson was talking like some real soft stuff. 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, you know, growing up, all I known Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson to be was this animal. Right, right. Like, he was such an animal that we was only allowed to watch him box. We weren't even allowed to watch whatever he said before the game because my, my dad was like, ah, oh, I don't know, listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would start talking about stuff. I was like, wow, what's going on? So that's, that's when I dabbled into it. And then um, Sean actually brought up the idea of doing the podcast. And uh, it's a great way for him to open up a little bit and talk. So here we are. Yeah. You know, I was like, let's, let's give it a shot. So um, I must say, project, man. I must say that I've been knowing y'all. I want to say all of the. All of the 2000s, so roughly, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just want to say I'm in a part of my life right now that I want to give everybody flowers, like while they can still smell them. Okay. Instead of holding some type of grudge or bitterness, if a person, you know, <clears throat> and so I want to say, the way you look now, I'm very proud of both of y'all. I mean, because I know y'all before the kids. I, I know the struggle. I've seen the different houses. I've seen the different jobs. I Like, I I know what it took to get to this plateau, and I just want to say I'm proud of both of y'all. Thanks, definitely, man. Definitely. Thanks, bro. Definitely. But as far as, I'm trying to think, where did we actually meet? If I could pinpoint it, I would be guessing. But I want to say CP3 yeah. definitely got me the job at Catfish Charlie's. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And then shortly after, you coming through, JP coming through. And, and, and I think it was then, then realizing we had the connectivity through the religion, mm-hmm. which, but we didn't meet there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It was so, at Catfish Charlie's. Yeah. I think yeah. it was definitely Catfish Charlie's. For sure. Was that your first job? No. No. Okay. No. That was my first job job. I mean, I did like washing cars and cutting grass and, you know, things like that. Help my mom's friend do something. But yeah. that was my first job where, you know, I clocked in and got a paycheck. Yeah. yeah, but Catfish Charlie was the first serious, like I think I did, four or five years. Yeah. Catfish Charlie's? I think I did about three. I think, I think it was junior, like I was a junior in high school, senior, then did a little bit after. Yeah. Then I moved on. I want to say 16 to 21, I mean, I think. Bro, the main reason I worked there is because y'all was working there. Yeah. I mean, I as many times I would have left there and, and not. Like I don't care. I want to look back, but that was like that was a click, man. And I'll say this too, man. Catfish Charlie's, you know, it's good. I think it was the best when we were there. Oh, like okay. for, I don't know. I don't know when was the last time you've been there. When we came down, when me and Whitney came down, and we met with y'all, and okay, that's that's a long time. That's bro. been years. Yeah, man. It's just different, man. That's been it ain't years. good. It's just I, I'm not saying it's not good. It's just not how I remembered it. Like, <laughs> like you know, you used to take that bite and you just get them goosebumps. <laughs> it ain't like that no more, man. Yeah, it ain't old, like that. Good no old more. catfish, man. Yeah, man. So those were the days. Um, and of course, like you say, Christian CP three um, got me a job there, man. It was it was weird the way that that happened. I I didn't know. I wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't. Okay. And Christian pulled up to the house. It's like I don't know. Somebody quit or something. And he pulled up to the house. He like, Catfish Charlie is hiring. All right. 
So he was there. All right, cool. I'm like, all right. Thank you for telling. Yeah, thank thank you for telling me this random piece of information. I'm just like (laughs) hanging out the house, and he had his catfish Charlie shirt on, and I was like, well, he's about to go to work because you work there, and you know I ain't got a job yet. So cool, man. I see. He's like, they hiring right now, and I'm like, all right. So he's like, can you work right now? I was like, for real. And this man had another shirt on his shoulder. Wow. A blue Catfish Charlie shirt. And I was like, right now, right now. So I went and talked to my dad about it. And he had that look in his face like, it was like that look of, am I really going to let him do this right now or not? So he sat there and froze for a minute. I was like, can I go work? And he just kind of froze for a minute and just looked. All right, go ahead. Jumped in the car, bro. Started working. Never stopped working since. Wow. Yeah. Junior in high school. Well, I remember getting a call like it was yesterday. I was washing dishes and CP3 called me, same guy. And uh, he said, you want a job? I'm like, hell yeah, I want a job. And uh, I remember busting tables, doing the dishroom, but that didn't last long. I got offered the kitchen shortly after. I didn't bust tables long at all. Uh He got mad because... He couldn't work on Thursdays because of the meeting. Mm. So I was in that transition of not going to the meeting anymore. I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I was available. So I got the kitchen position. So the dude that got me the job was still busting tables and I was in the kitchen and I know he felt a certain type of way. And it and it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Not take the gig? Yeah, I mean, man. somebody got to do it. And, and that's that's how that's how it happened. It's wow. funny. It's funny thinking back now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a sport to bust tables back in the day man. and everybody was working there, man. And there was people that, that we grew up with that worked there that while I wasn't working there. Like like a couple of people worked there before I started working there. But I guess they like like JP. Oh definitely. Yeah, a couple of people and I was definitely. like I, so I felt like I was there for the meat of our friend group working there, but mm-hmm. I did miss out on some of it. Oh, it was yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, and there's some friendships that we made there that I still run into people every now and then and, you know, catch up. But yeah, man, those were the days. That's what days we were young, go to work <laughs> after that, try to find something to do after work in, in greasy ass clothes, oh, my God. hang out, but we would hang out in that parking lot. What? For like an hour or so after <sighs> just, just hanging out, bro. Those were the days, man, man, just, you and Jermaine, I mean, <clears throat> people don't realize that you're always listening, you're always learning, you're always growing. I mean, back then, not switchblade knives, what's the the butterfly knife? Is that, is mm-hmm. that the name? Oh, my God. Y'all don't know. You have no idea. Just from y'all teaching me how to flick that knife, I went and bought one. I kept one in my pocket for years. She had a name. Her name was Susan Slaughter. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny now, but. I'm dead serious. I yeah. I taught my kids how to how to how to flick the knife. It's like I learned this as I, when I was a teenager, and I passed it down. But that came from y'all. Like okay, seriously. I mean, wow, that was my man and my brother. He was a knife. He loved dude. knives and stuff. Memories, definitely. Yeah. Memory. Climbing that big rocking chair, man. Yeah, I mean, the big rocking chair. He's hanging out of that thing, man. So like, so you a cook? You like to cook? Yeah, you are you are a self pronounced chef, mm. barbecue pit. You are a self pronounced pit master. 
Okay. Okay. I'm I'm to a degree a self pronounced chef. I try things. I still got to follow the instructions. Whatever. Okay. Not shout out to all the real chefs out there, though. You know, not to downplay what you do or anything. But, um, so do you think your your love of cooking came from Catfish Charlie's? <sighs> My love of structure for it came from Catfish Charlie's. One thing Catfish taught me is. <sighs> Their menu consists of 10 items. And they were remember how many. They were open three days a week. Yeah. So you're here for the catfish and chicken between mm-hmm. the hours of five to nine, period. Okay. Their corner, their, their, their ability to corner the market. So mm-hmm. I love that part of it. So when me and Whitney was creating our recipes or I marinate, and a person will say something about the spice level or this and that. It's like, if you're eating a ZJ wing, you're here for the flavor. So you can't cater to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like either down with it or you ain't. You know, right. You're not. I mean. Right. And catfish made hella money in three days. Yeah, they did. Trust man. me. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a great business model, man. Yeah. Especially to own and run a restaurant. Like when I retire, I'd like to shot at running a restaurant. Yeah. I'd like to own a spot, but I I don't want the full bore breakfast, lunch, dinner. I want I want the three four day mm-hmm. brunch. I want brunch, lunch, dinner. Okay, you know, and it, that won't even be every day. I might run brunch, lunch like maybe on a Saturday and a Sunday, and then maybe on a Thursday, Friday, run like a lunch dinner because mm-hmm. I want that exclusiveness. Right. And I want that. I want that good meal that's not available all the time, mm-hmm. and we just don't get redundant in there and complacent with people coming in and just cooking the same thing over. Like, like I, I feel like when we were working there, we cared about what we were doing because when we were young, it yeah. was our first job. We was really we we was low key competing with each other. In there cooking and, and and all that, so Definitely. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like a shot at it, man. But yeah, I think like my my love of cooking came from there. Okay, because I mean it was really home cooked food. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they work at McDonald's the first time. Work at like, mm-hmm. it's in the package. Put twenty four patties. They got a little car. Put twenty four patties on the grill. Right, right. Five minutes. Like over there, it was like you're cooking food. Like the greens were cooked. The biscuits were made from hand. Trust like, me, I was, yeah, I, like I did it, right, right. <laughs> I did it a little bit, but I, I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I messed it up. Maybe a couple of times, and they're like, "All right, go back there and sweep <laughs> something up." <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, so we know each other from Catfish days. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the religion we had some ties together. Religion, you're like your parents knew my parents. Not really, maybe friends, like. Close, close friends, but they knew of each other mm-hmm. because of the Jehovah's Witness religion mm-hmm. we grew up in. Um, and a lot of people who work with the Catfish Charlies, man. A lot. Je- out of Jehovah's Witness religion. So, small world, Gupport, man. Small world. I must say uh, publicly, I am one of the founding forefathers of the EXJ-Dub community. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jumping right into it, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? I, mean, I heard that. I mean, uh, I want to say my mother was a victim of 
A knock at the door, man. 1980. Really? Yes. Okay. And I came along in 83. So I was born into it. Okay. So, but I grew up in a household where one was in and one was not. So it wasn't as strict as the double parent mm-hmm. in the religion, but I still got the full brunt of mine was the bullying side that I dealt with in school is what I'm reminded of that my younger brothers and sisters didn't go through. Okay. That we did in the eighties and nineties is just the teasing of if I catch you on my doorstep on Saturday and you know, don't knock on my door and you know, you mentioned in one of the other podcasts about going to the library or that exclusiveness, it 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 put a target on my back. I, I remember maybe the fifth grade and I think I was a part of the student council and and we had to sign these papers that said, I pledge to do good work and this and that. And mm-hmm. they had to change my piece of paper to I promise at the top. It couldn't I mean, say it couldn't say pledge. And so now all the kids want to know why this Justin's paper looked different. And now the teacher got to make up this lie or whatever because they can't bring in all the religion stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's those memories that just it just it just it weighs on me so heavy that I just I don't know. <clears throat> but we didn't have a choice in the matter, mm-hmm. and how we dealt with it, how we got through through it, and but I but I must say, if there is a religion, a right one, I think the witnesses. The way they go about it as far as basing their entire life on it, you know, to me is more convincing of if you're here, we're supposed to be here wholeheartedly, full press. I believe in them to me. Mm-hmm. Most of them it just seems like it's a part-time thing and I see in six days and I repent. On the seventh, it just uh, it's not too convincing to me. But so you're saying the way other religions do it, it especially in our area like the South, the Bible Belt, it's lackluster it, to me. Yeah, it's just a it's just a fallback thing. But yeah. the witness thing is the full full fledged go. Yes, and so if you were going to do it, that's the way you would do it. Yeah, yeah, I say the the full time part of it, but. Not the, if you're not down with this cause, you're going to burn in, in eternity part, you know. Yeah. Like, respect somebody from on the other side of the world who all they know is Allah. How could they be punished for something that they was born and bred to believe just like you were? I don't believe in that part. But. They, they're indoctrinated, man. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with when you're raised a certain way and... And you don't know nothing else. Everything is you're made to fear everything else. And you're made you're made to believe everything else is wrong. So you gotta come across a point where you're willing to investigate, discover, whatever you may call it, to try to get your own conclusion on what's right and wrong. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But as far as like the whole witness thing, so you know, you say you're the founding father of the EXJ Dev. So it's like, so so you think you know, and you were and you you were born into it. Yes. Your parents were into it. So you know, I'm I'm an immigrant, and mm-hmm. my mom came here, and she met my stepfather, and they got married, mm-hmm. and then they got knocked on at the door, mm, and, okay. and and changed. But from from what I understand. My stepfather was in a mode in his life where he was trying to discover a religion to relate to. So my mom's like, yeah, he talked to talked to Catholics and Baptists, talked to Buddhists, mm. talked to Masons. He like, shopped. Yeah, he shopped. And this is where he bought. Mm. And it was like, okay. And... So I was pretty much raised into it, but my my situation with the stepfather and being a foreigner and mix mixed race household and all that mm. had there's a bunch of elements that play into it. But I, I would say I was born in, or raised into it, not born into it, but pretty much. I mean, that's all I've pretty much known. So 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 and I know it kind of went left field right there. Um, so you say you the founding father. <laughs> you feel like. The whole time, because you were born into it. The whole time, you had that feeling that this ain't this ain't what it is. This ain't what I'm gonna. Oh, do. Oh no, sir, no. So I there was, was a time when you was like, "Hey, come on, come on to the ship, drink the Kool Aid." Oh yeah, I mean, I believed in it, and for those who don't know, I I, I do music. I I love to perform, so I think that was my earliest recollection of knowing that I love the stage. I love giving talks. I mean, I absolutely love, I love the applause. I I love everything about it on the positive aspect. Mm -hmm. But that same kid went to school and got teased. So I had the pros and the cons of it. Mm -hmm. And it was the, it was the level of it that got, that got unbearing and being compared to the other kids who were further in it Mm kind of hurt as well. You know, if 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 one kid knew Genesis down, like the first couple chapters, and he had it by memory, and I'm like, I'm not learning that. I don't, I don't have it by memory. And mm-hmm. this kid's getting baptized at 12, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that was a lot of pressure, bro. Man, was, I, but I don't believe in all that. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in a a child. You know, I I know. People baptize their infants and it's part of the religious thing that they do. Their mm. their traditions, they have their ceremonies, the you know, all the things that they do. Um and it's I don't fully understand the reason of it of you know, they just wanna do it to show that to me it's like a social thing. Show everybody that we have this is this is our value system. So we're gonna show everybody that we have a high value system, so we're gonna go with this ceremony with our kid. Mm. When my thought on it is, man, kids don't even know how to clean up or cook for themselves. Facts. Till they're adults. I mean, you got adults out here living, still don't know how to balance checkbook, finances, understand how the world works. But you're telling a child to dedicate their life to a concept of that that's based on your mentality and spirituality 
and they don't mm. even have that. That's not even developed yet. And then once they do, if they steer from that, you're shunned for it. Mm. You know, it's 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 tough on a kid. It, it, it's it's too much for a kid. So I'm not down with it. So that was like that's my perspective of it. Rough growing up. Yeah. And then like I I feel you on the bullying. Um, going door to door, classmate man. You went door to door and classmate answer the door. Bro, I hated that, bro. I'm pretty sure. I can't rec- it, it had to have happened because the bullying stemmed from something. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I mean, like you say, we walked every street in Gulfport, so you had yeah. to. You, I mean, I mean the Johnson Drives, man, or man wherever I've I've done it all. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So growing up, you know, you say you had one parent in and out, mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of siblings. Yes. Like. Where all y'all, you know, you weren't with it, so the siblings it was like following your lead, or was there was there groups amongst your siblings where we doing we going this way and y'all going this way? I mean, like I think it was a case by case. It was eight kids. Okay. I'm, I'm four of eight, <clears throat> number four of eight. So you know, you had a rebel. You got one that's you know stuck with it. You got one totally left field. You know, I mean, like atheist agnostic. And, and so it just, it trickles down. And I think the younger ones either went yay or nay, maybe looking up at the brothers and sisters who went left or right. Maybe. I can't say per mm-hmm. se, but you got definitely more out than in. Okay. So, you know, you're trying to, they're trying to hang on. But, you know, even with the witnesses, I think, with Katrina and the social distancing, and now they can do everything on Zoom. It's it's not a mandatory push like how we grew up. Mm-hmm. The shirt and tie to get dressed, the going to the Kingdom Hall. You know, I think any excuse they could use to not feel that mandatory pressure. I think they use it yeah. to to fit around their life now. Yeah, well, I think they came to a point where they were like. We drilling too hard. Mm-hmm. There had to be some backroom talk. We're like, we're losing too many people because we're drilling too hard. So we got to make this, we got to make this editable, edible. Okay. You know, like, like it's just, I mean, bro, our lives are consumed. Like Tuesday night, <laughs> Tuesday night, we were going to a two hour meeting. And then Thursday night we were going to an hour and a half book study. Mm-hmm. And, and then Saturday we were meeting at nine in the morning and then knocking on doors until it was either too hot or, you got your certain amount of lot of time that you're supposed to do for the month. Like, you know, and if your parents made a commitment to be a publisher, pioneer, whatever, you know, those, those were like levels of really just time levels of field service of knocking on doors that you committed to. And if they were part of it, bro, you was, you was there too. Yeah. So you had that on Saturday and then Sunday, of course you already know what Sunday is. Right. And then sometimes they go knock on doors after Sunday. Meeting. Yep. I'm like, like, and then the days that you didn't have a meeting, you were doing something, even the prep for the days that you did have the meeting. It Thanks. was like, and, and, you know, I just remember like our evenings were consumed by it and everything was put second place, like schoolwork, school projects. I mean, if school had something going on after, after hours during <laughs> school week, yeah, you ain't doing that. Like, we got to go to the meeting. Yeah. Like just consumed, man. So I tell people, 
man, I did enough church the last three, four lifetimes. Like, facts. Yeah, you got to live at church, to catch up my time. <laughs> like, I mean, big time. I mean, I mean, that's facts. When, when you, when you mention the workload, people don't realize, I mean, the homework, the chores, on top of studying for a talk, studying for the watchtower to be awake on Sunday and prepping for field service and you got to iron your meeting clothes. And like, it's, it's, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And we were children. We didn't, we didn't make it to adulthood as witnesses. So just mm-hmm. imagine this is preteen, preteen, mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot, but to change it up a little bit, because I think we talk about the cons a lot with the religion. One of the pros that I do miss, that I do miss, and for those who don't know, the witnesses will meet up, what you say, annually for the conventions, mm-hmm. the, the assemblies. What Was it once a year or is it twice a year? Yeah, they had like twice a year. Okay, so it'll be what um, everybody on the coast will meet in Biloxi and mm-hmm. – or some, something like Coliseum. that. Yeah, Coliseum. Coliseum and have church for three days straight. Yeah. And so you get together, man, and I just remember if you was a full-time pioneer, you got to work in the kitchen, man. My sister be down there with the roast beef sandwiches, man. And, <laughs> and, man, as a kid, you get dropped off at the curb, man, and your cousins and your brothers, you run in, and your job is to place them songbooks and Bibles on how many seats you're reserving for uh-huh. you and the crew and man, you, you, you're counting them out, and your mama don't want to sit too high. She don't want to sit too low. And yeah, it. I miss all of that. I, I miss. I miss the fellowship part of it. I miss. I miss walking that ramp. I miss walking that ramp, man, with the crew at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. All the guys, all the fellas, and trying to see what girls came from different congregations that. Came from out of town and and sneaking to the backside, you know. Yeah, and and you know, lurking in the shadow to sneak a kiss or whatever. I mean, I miss that part. Yeah, but the other side, nah. nah. Well, I mean, I, for a time, man, that's all we really had. At least that's all I really had. Yeah. But see, like, like I like your family because, and I've always felt like your family was to 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 a certain time closer to the beginning your family was like an example of how families can do it together because I saw y'all but this was before we started working together and everything because I, I think I knew Johnny first okay um and everything and I definitely knew of your mom and 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 um your aunt and everything um but you know y'all had like you missed those times because you were there with your family as a whole and you got to do that experience with the family. Mm-hmm. I only had my brother and my sister. And I was the oldest. So mm-hmm. by the time my gears were clicking of, let's go walk over here by ourselves. And let's go hang out over here and, and jank and joke by ourselves. Like I was still had two younger mm-hmm. brothers and sisters who were still kids. And I had to like watch out for them. They had yeah. to come with me. So it's like y'all had a click. Right. And then really my click was like Christian. Gotcha. That was it. So. And everybody else who's out now, they was in at that time. Who everybody who is who's out now that that I'm friends with that I associate with, they they were in at the time. So, you know, 
that's cool that you have that experience. My experience was completely different, man. Wow. Yeah, it was like mine was like it was just it was just ongoing drilling, bro. It was like come here, sit down, better not fall asleep, write some notes down, highlight some stuff, you know, and it's like when we had those breaks and all that, like I'm trying to find people. You know, I'm trying to go find somebody to kick it with. Like like it was just I had to go make something up. I had to go make a new friend. So, oh man, you know, we we yeah. had we had meeting places. I mean, we I mean it was exclusive. I mean, I'm talking fifteen, twenty soldiers. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely. But it was off the chain, bro. I'd, I'd interject myself where I could on y'all's on y'all's on y'all's time. Man, you was a lame old man. You know, <laughs> yeah, you was like, Vic. who is that? Yeah, you the Vic. We was trying to push in the wishing well, man. You know, <laughs> with the with the pennies at the bottom. You know, I mean, we was. I don't know, man. I missed that part, but yeah. but yeah, man, it's just we've all grown up now. Mm-hmm. We have families. Yeah. We have families. I can't I can't believe at Catfish we didn't have any kids. Catfish Charlie, we didn't have we didn't have any kids. Now we're fathers. Yeah. It's of, crazy. Of <laughs> with me a whole tribe, you know, I have four, so mm-hmm. your oldest in college Yeah Yeah man That's something I'm about to get into Boogie's You know Junior in high school And Damn, Trying to figure that out man Like Like so like With your kid going to college Is that You know Growing up a witness You know That wasn't something That was preached That was even That was something Not only was it Was it Not recommended But it was kind of Recommended not to go to college Yeah it was It was, yeah, it was, it was like, it was like Yeah it was like Why Why take your adult life To Seek a career path that's only beneficial to yourself when you can be knocking on doors, you know. Yeah. So it's like, so when you come in from the background you came from, was that something that when you had kids and I know we don't think really think about this seriously when our kids are preteen, adolescent, but you know, teenage years, did it like hit you like, all right? We, we doing this college thing like was that was that the play the whole time for you and you know your action doesn't have any correlation with being a witness well just saying where we came from being a witness where it wasn't pushed it wasn't encouraged you know is that something with your kids you trying to do the complete opposite well i'm a i advocate man college is not for everybody it's it's yeah. it's really not. It's it's certain people who are horrible test takers, so or have a short attention span. Mm-hmm. So if you spend your last dime, thirty, forty grand, and trust me, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna put it behind a child who's not gonna give it their all, you're you're really wasting your money. When that when that child could could find a trade, if this guy's good at Dropping engines and trains in in a car, mm-hmm. he could be eighteen in a shop and own one by thirty. I mean, mm-hmm. he really could. I will focus on that more than college per se. But to answer your question, I think our firstborn we looked up and he really hit the books. So he got a full blown academic scholarship. Nice. So. It wasn't pricey for us, you know. Once you 
piece together all your Pell Grants and et cetera. Mm-hmm. He actually got a full ride for free as long as he keeps his GPA up. He can he can ride out through the years. It's awesome, bro. You know, so you can do it. But like I said, it's a case-by-case thing. But no, I wouldn't advocate pushing college as a mandatory thing. Okay. All right. I'm kind of, I'm in alignment with that, but I do want my kids to give it a shot. Okay. Um, uh, with, with Boogie, it's a no brainer. The dude's going. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he hits the books mm-hmm. and everything. And Mia still has some time to, um, be a student and learn how to be a student. Um, she's smart, but I'm not going to say college ain't for her because it's too early to say that. And, you know, when I was, even when I was Boogie's age, even coming out of high school, I was like, I'm not going to college. And it wasn't because my parents weren't pushing it, but I just didn't want to do school no more. Yeah. Like, it, like school wasn't for me. Like, working in Catfish Trolley's, I was at work and then work, and then I just, just worked work, construction jobs and cooking jobs. And, you know, it was just, I'm working, I'm finally getting money because I, I had nothing. And that was already good enough for me for the longest time. And then recently my mind has gone to, well, if we have an opportunity to send our children to college to, to give them this shot, then why not? Mm. Why not we take the shot? Why not set them up to get the financial aid and the okay. grants and the scholarships? And why not try? You know what I mean? Because now in the workplace – they're looking at two people and that degree means has more weight in a choice than, than I knew it did. And for the longest time, my, my standard was experience. Like I would literally go into job interviews and they say, well, you don't have any college experience. What makes you qualified for this job? You don't have any college. You don't have a college degree. And I says, well, I was just real cocky with it. Cause I felt like they wouldn't hire me anyway. <laughs> I was like, I told one of my jobs that did hire me that the things that I did in the field aren't taught in college. Mm. Like it's just dead experience. Okay. I was like, and then I turned around and said, you can get somebody who went through college and read this type of work in a book, or you can just hire me with the experience and we'll just start to we'll hit the ground running. Like the learning curve is down. Hmm. And I said that as, yeah, I was cocky, but at the same time it was like, I ain't gonna hire me. Cause you're talking to college and I already know I ain't got it. So might as well just tell you how I feel. Did it work? It worked, man. Huh. Okay. It worked. I mean, now I wouldn't do that in a job interview, <laughs> you know, because I mean, it's just young, it's young mind talking, but now I have like, I have a certain respect for college that I didn't have before. Okay. So I'll, I'm I'm going to push it for my kids to go unless, like you said, it ain't for everybody. Mm-hmm. But they can learn a trade or something. But I'm going to have to see that at when we get to that crossroad of you going to college or are you so mentally driven and you got fire in you for this other thing that's going to, you're going to be able to do it and take care of yourself. I'm going to support you in that. Okay. I I wanted to ask you, it's kind of around the same subject. So what's your stance on when the time comes 
you got a grown man or grown woman in your house and they can't make it make up their mind on what they want to do, whether it's school or a job. Like, is there an age where the foot, you know, comes out in their back and it's time for you to go, you know, fight or flight or, you know. Mm. I don't know if you want to put an age on it. Okay. Because it's going to be based on where their mindset is. and it, But you're not going to hang around here. This ain't the hangout spot okay. after you get that high school diploma. Okay. Like, you can take the summer off. But you're going to want to do adult stuff, going to take adult money. And it ain't going to be my adult money. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? You want to go to the show. You want to go eat. Like, you, you, you they have to know that they have to take care of themselves and it's, it's, and it's, it's not going to be until it's not going to be until I can't do it anymore. It's you, you got to run and mm. start doing it. And and I'm going to support you the whole way. Man, if, if my kids go to the workforce mm-hmm. and not just going to work to work to bring back some rent money and some cell phone money and some insurance money, like, they have a path, then I'll support them. Like, okay, son or daughter, I'm I'm supporting you in your path, and we're gonna have constant conversations about their steps in it. Like, what where are you in your journey into your path, right? Um, and I'm gonna hold them accountable. If they want to go to college, I'll support them the whole way, bro, until they're done with college. Okay. Me knowing who you are, is a child's goal, if it was lower than your expectation, would it be okay? What I mean is that I love flipping hamburgers. I just, I I love working here. I want to be the best hamburger flipper in the world. But in your mind, that's not going to pay the bills in this economy. It's not enough money. Mm-hmm. Son, daughter, shoot higher. But could you be okay with, hey, one day this establishment is going to be mine. I I could just see it. And I started on the line, and I'm just going to work my way up. Mm. (laughs) Damn, bro, you ask me these type of questions, man. (laughs) Um, So you you know me, dog. So you know know I'm a pusher, right? Right. So – I'm going to be like, okay, show me, show me the business plan. Like, show me the projection. Two years, four years, six years. Show me your short-term goals and how they stack up to the long-term goals. Right? They got to have that vision. It, it, it can't be, I'm just going to try it and then, and then it's just going to pop one day. I'm, I'm going to play it very safe. Right? Okay. Because... A lot of people have this thing of, as long as you're happy, do what you want to do. As long as you're happy. And, you know, people are happy doing jobs. And, But really, at the end of the day, I feel like my job as a parent is to give the kids a high-level view of life from the start to the end. Right. To like look forward to it. And I feel like that's something that wasn't given to us. We were in survival mode. Like if like there were some times where like 
we went to Walmart and we got some bags of groceries. Like we made it and we couldn't see past that. Like we can see what we were going to make with the groceries that we were going to eat for the next week. But after that was hopes and dreams of, oh yeah, hope, you know, you know, and it's like, I will support the kids, but I want them to be able to look long-term and I want them to live comfortably because I've lived so uncomfortably for so long. I don't want them to experience that mm. at all. And I'm guilty of pushing a little bit too hard. Mm. You know, like this college thing, like last year I was like asking, but you know, college, you know, he was just a, he was just a sophomore. And I was like, you know, what's the college thing? I was kind of asking a little early and, and he just, I, I don't know. I kept getting this. I don't know. I don't know. And it got to me, frustrated me a little bit. So there's a couple of times, you know, I said, Nina had to back me off. I was like, look, son, if you don't go to college to have some type of professional career. I'm going to push you to do it. And you're not going to like me. Mm. And you won't like me until you realize that it was the right thing to do. And that was kind of too, too much of a forward statement. And, you know, I come to realize I was pushing too hard, but I was doing it at the time when I realized that the that I realized that for what I do, I've capped out. Now it's the college degree. Like I will be looked over because I don't have the degree because everything, all the short, I don't want to call them shortcuts, but I guess it is what it is. Shortcuts, experience, loopholes, luck of the strike, whatever it was, put myself in the right situation, got lucky, talked to the right person, whatever you call it. I feel like all those are are are, are done for me. I can't do nothing else but go up by getting a college degree. So when I was feeling that, I was pushing that. And I don't, I don't want my kids to hit that ceiling either. So I'm taking it a little heavy on them. Mm. But to go back to your question, if if they're happy with it, and I know I went around the world with that. Oh, man. <laughs> if they're happy with it, all right, so if they're happy with doing something that I guess you would say I would call mediocre or not good enough, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. I would try to convince them that there's more out there. But if but if I sense that they're the type of person that's comfortable and that's just their personality type and and they can sustain themselves on it, then I would I would have to back off and do it. But I'm I'm uh, I'm rough though, man. Yeah. You know, I t- man, I tell my I tell my kids, I ain't raising y'all's kids. Mm. I mean, I tell them that. I mean, what do you think about that statement? Is that kind of too rough? But bro, I don't want to. No. I mean, do you want to raise your kids? Kids, you want you want your grandkid. You want to pick up your grandkids, play with them, have fun with them, be the grandparent, and then drop them off. I think it's a case by case basis, and definitely generational parenting has changed. I mean, it's it's yeah. So tell me, tell me, tell me your definition of gen- generational parenting. Like, like help me understand, like. Like what that is So I can kind of follow you Well let me just give you One example 
the big mama concept does not exist anymore. There's not this lady in a in a moo moo behind a screen door where you can drop off your kids and they're gonna get three square meals and they're gonna watch cartoons while you go and gallivant on Saturday night or mm-hmm. that didn't exist for my kids. Okay. So rewind back to my grandmother was a working grandmother. You still can get a meal, but she had a job. Mm-hmm. So you got to go even before that. So the big mama concept has been dead probably three generations. Okay. Maybe three generations. So when you said I'm not raising my kids, kids, it's it's a known thing for this generation to say that because the concept of Sitting at home with a grandkid on my knee, sitting on the porch drinking lemonade, does not exist. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't exist. It's it's like this is your child. I'm a visit with my grandkids, but I'm not going to raise them. But I think the difference is the big mama concept. I don't see it as something wrong. I don't think a tribe raises a family anymore. Dang, you're right about that. So what I mean is 30 years ago, you had every right as my brother to whoop my child. Mm -hmm. If you saw my sons getting out of line, you could, you could bend them over your knees, spank them, take your belt off, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you do that today, it'll mess up our friendship. Cause I'm like, this dude must be crazy or, I wouldn't even think of putting my hands on Sean. It doesn't make sense to, in my mind, because of our generation of parenting doesn't call for the tribe to raise a child. That's your child. Right. We separate ourselves from doing what's right. If a, if a minor disrespects the elder, that's wrong all the way across the board from how we were raised but as far as you interjecting and doing something about that child getting loud or snapping back, if it's not your child, you take that 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 job away. It's not your job. It's not your child. Mm-hmm. I think we miss some of that. I think we need some of that old parenting, but we have to realize that technology is changing and these are different human beings than when they were raising. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the older generation, they lack to understand that. That I remember my little brothers was typing at five. They were typing on a keyboard at five. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that lesson until I was in the eighth grade. So it's it's just a different generation. Mm-hmm. It's... They know what the internet is. I mean, I'm 40 years old. I seen a rotary dial. If you had a phone on your wall that was cordless with a call ID, you was rich. Yeah. You were rich. <laughs> Who's calling? Okay, don't answer it. Yeah, yeah. you're rich. Yeah. You're rich. I yeah. mean, I, I seen the beeper come and go. Yeah. I seen the cell phone come to life. Yeah. I remember life before the cell phone. I I mean, I remember dial-up. I mean, I remember everything. So these kids have this world at their fingertips, but it also has its pros and cons. But because of the technology, it it breeds a different type of human. That's just facts. So Yeah.
Yeah. Well, you know, I tell my friends, everyone has their idea of what they should do with their kids with all the technology and everybody's have has viewpoints and extreme viewpoints and, mm. you know, big hot, they're hot topics. And some people heavily believe, you know, one side that kids shouldn't have technology. Others are fine with it. And, and I just try to tell like all my peers, my friends, people my age with kids, like, man, we're still figuring this out too. True. Like I, what my mom and dad said was the way, I mean, it was a basis and a, structure and a blueprint for it but like you said with the technology and everything else going on we have to adjust for it and we're we're trying to figure this out so it's difficult man it's 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 super difficult um like with your kids um with with the computers and everything do you do you like limit what they what they have access to or how, how do you, how do you do it in your house with the computers and, and the social media and the phones and everything else? I don't believe, Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And I'm, and I'm going to be honest. I'm not, I'm not tech savvy. You know that. I mean, I'm just crossing over to the iPhone world mm-hmm. this past year. So, I'm not hovering over everything that they do. I trust that our parenting spills over into, you know, you shouldn't be watching this or that. Mm -hmm. And I think Whitney takes more of the reins when it comes down to that. I really don't, Mm -hmm. just to be honest with you. But I try to balance it with the outside. Like, you're not going to sit on that iPad pad all day. Mm -hmm. Not, Not all day. You're just going to kill your eyes. So yeah. you got to mix in some of that little football or something outside, dude. Give me an hour. And and our kids are good with putting it down and going outside. I mean, of course, both of the big boys are avid football players. And all, mm-hmm. my, all of my kids did band. So I think the balance of it plays key. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. So going back to like general, I, I, we kind of went left, left field right there. The generational parenting, you yeah. were, you were trying to, you explained to me like what what your concept of it was. I forgot what we were, we were talking about. Well, the, the, the way we were going about that with that. Well, as a father, I think if you think about our fathers and their predecessors of what they did prior to them, mm-hmm. the requirements. So, say, for instance, a father that started his family in the 70s or 80s, and the majority of fathers before him didn't show up for the job, period. Deadbeats. Mm-hmm. Wasn't in the house. You got a mother raising six, seven kids. That child that grows up to be a father in the 70s, 80s, 90s, for him just staying there and providing, he's a superhero in comparison to the prior fathers. So mm-hmm. when so I'm, when I'm breaking down generation now, I think for us, providing is just the bar mm-hmm. of what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now let's fill in the gaps of everything that maybe our fathers didn't do. You know, throw the ball with your kids, teach them how to drive a car, prepare them for this big world. You know, be there, be a support system. Don't be so much of the big bad wolf that your child is scared to come to you and ask you a question. It could save him or her life. Yeah. 
You know, and I think we're all guilty of that. I'm super guilty of that. I'm yeah. super guilty of that. Like I, I, I come from, I come from the horde, man. Yeah, you exactly. know, and it's like there's no excuse. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say oh, I was raised like that, and that's how I'm gonna do. Like I, I'm trying to break that. I think trying that's a break, curse. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm. I was hard on my, um, on my kids at a younger age. Like I feel like I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, I'm definitely learning, but I feel like I've changed a big time. But, you know, so you talk about the bare minimum mm-hmm. was providing. And, and I mean, dog, you're doing a good job providing. Like Likewise. Like, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. Like kudos to you and proud of you, bro. And, you know, your, your, your boys, your son's in college. I know your son, your next son's going. And um, but like as father. So we got this bare minimum providing. Mm-hmm. Man, do we and, and we got all this new stuff that we're talking about with the internet. And mm-hmm. this is a t- different type of breed of children. And we're, 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 we're talking about adult stuff um, way earlier. And we have to explain stuff earlier and we have to learn stuff so we can be able to explain it, mm-hmm. you know, like social media and things, man, do you f- ever feel like we're not doing enough? Like, it's, do you ever feel like it's just too much? Like, man, it's just so much, so many variables to this. Like, you ever question yourself? Or, 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 am I doing enough to make sure that I'm guiding them to be who I want them to be? <sighs> to me, it's kind of two parts to that. Uh, as far as me not being as tech savvy as, say, you you kept up with the change in other times. So you can know things about this side of the world that the kids also know. Mm-hmm. In my situation, my kids can tell me more about this iPhone than I can tell them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily teaching them and guiding them in a way. My core principles will be from the, let me show you what a post office is. And hey, man, when you need to go redo your tag, this is where you go. Uh, you know, yeah. like like that type of stuff where I feel like, Somebody may not have told me and I had to find out on my own the hard way. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying you got to get it out the mud like I did and you got a whole computer in your hand mm-hmm. to to get the get the answers to that question. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these kids don't even know to ask that question right. to find that answer. So. If. We have the cheat code. Wouldn't you want to just give it to your child so they can navigate through the game better on expert mode, as you commonly say? Or or you, you want them to be a novice. You want them to be the beginner mm. and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle to prove a point or? Yeah, man, but the lessons come through the struggle and the oh, appreciation okay. comes through the struggle and the cheat code, man. Is the phone, you know, okay. and something I'm trying to discover too on my on my own is like, like you said, how do we do things as an adult? And like you said, I've been in technology career mm-hmm. for most of my life, and I'm guilty of saying, "Man, you just look it up." Like look it up when when really, man, we need to be manually doing things. I need to show them the manual way over the smart tech savvy way. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's eye opening to me, bro. 
Um, yeah, I, yeah that, that's something. That's something that need, that's something as 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 fathers, as parents, we need to reevaluate. So, I mean, that's where my question came from: is are we doing enough? Because the device, the internet, the information that's available to us is is somewhat crippling. Mm. Because we just know it's going to be there. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not going to take the time to learn how to do something the manual way because I can just look it up on the internet or I can just ask Siri to tell me to tell me what to do. I have to interject and say this, man. And it, it, it's a lesson that really bothered me. We we got into playing darts in the house pretty tough a couple of years back. Okay. And with darts... It's a lot of simple math, quick adding two digit. Okay, you don't have to be math savvy. Some are better than most. I think I'm better than most. But I have four very smart kids. But when I saw my kids going to the fingers to add an eleven plus thirteen, it or one of my sons is like going for the calculator, and I'm like, where, where are you going? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go get the answer. I'm like, dude, you don't know. Like, your times tables and these things that was hammered into my head, K through six, stuck with me. Like, stuck with me mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Somewhere, somebody dropped the ball with our kids because the tech took over and the calculator and the phone has the answer. Mm-hmm. And the critical thinking part is non-existent. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's sad. I think we're losing that, that aspect of it. You're right, bro. We part of that transition, though. Okay. Like you said, we saw the cell phone. We saw the internet. Yeah. Like, we part of that. So, we need to find a, a way to get back. I know things are different now, but we got to try to get some of the old school back, I guess, man. You I know? think I think what we try to keep in our house, and it works for us, it's, it's not for everybody, but we keep critical thinking in our house at the forefront. So all of my kids can play chess. They all, they all have been playing since the age of five. Mm-hmm. And they all play spades. They all play dominoes. Some of these games... It keeps their mind working opposed to the the lessons of school. We also okay. do riddles on a constant basis. It's something about a riddle. You have to search for the answer and it's not the obvious mm-hmm. all the time. Sometimes it is, but it keeps that brain working. So if you do that with your kids, you will see them... Like they say, chess, make your next move, your best move. I can see my kids using it in real life. I know it works for a fact. So just okay. father to father, parent to parent, just, you know, some of the tricks we use. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we, do, we do Jeopardy on the TV. You can, you can do it at home. You, okay. can make, you can make your own game. It could be movies. It could be... Smarter than the fifth grader. It could be, and you got the 100, 500, and you click on it, and, you know, you win, you lose. It's just good games that you can keep the family involved. It's great family time, and you're learning at the same time. So Okay. So you have family game night. I don't want to say a game night per se. You know, so, so how often? We, 
it may be it may be once every two weeks, maybe. Okay. You know, Jiren is that he's that whiz and he's like, Hey, let's play Jeopardy or we love Scategories. <laughs> Scategories is a game that we stand by. Have you ever played Scategory? Mm-hmm. Oh man. That's something we need to do, Nina though. Yeah. We talked about this for a long time. You know. We we man, we get so stuck in Oh we get so stuck in the the cycle, bro. Yeah. And I think we're kinda guilty of letting the kids putting the kids in programs and letting them just do it. And I think it's because I wasn't allowed to. It's like you got this for school and this and do this and let's go do this. Um That's that's good though, man. Ground to ground them. That's something that we need to work on. Or at least I need to work on. You know, here like, yeah, yeah, I've been told you fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, keeping their mind sharp. That's something I have difficulty with. Like yourself personally? No, like with the kids. Just oh, okay. I just feel like oh like man, I I I heard this thing where somebody said, I forgot who it was. If you don't come home and work on your kids, society is raising them. Mm. And that never hit me. Heard, I was like, I was like, dang. And I was like, but what do you mean come home and work on your kids? And it's like not coming home and quizzing them on what they learned in school or whatever, but down to the principles of how do you, what do you do in this situation? How mm-hmm. do you do this? Let me show you how to do this. Something that they don't, they, that, school doesn't necessarily teach you as part of a curriculum you know and to a degree I think I've let some of that go like just you did school in day you're, you're like your progress report's good then you must be learning mm. you know and I gotta find a way to bring that back you to, know, to center to center with them and, and, and with you like when you tell me these things uh-huh. I feel like you're real centered with your kids I'm not going to you know, sit here and like mentally centered with them. I'm well, I know, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I just feel like you doing a damn good job out of it. Yeah, and yeah, you making me check myself. Yeah, real. yeah, yeah. You know, but you have to realize that a lot of this is coming from realization of failure of things that I may have did or not did early on mm-hmm. that I or we per se may have changed, and also. To segue in kind of the journey that I'm on, which is sobriety. I just broke a year. So I've seen a lot that I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when I took that time of what of drinking and feeling it, feeling that void per se, and I did it with spending time with the kids, is you realize there's a whole nother world inside your house that you're not even tapping into. Mm-hmm. It's right there in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've heard the cliches, um, what's worse, a father who died, like you never had a dad, or a dad that's dead but he's inactive in your life. Which one's worse? Mm. I think the latter's worse. I do. Mm-hmm. I, because I, you could have done something the whole time. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, well, congratulations on your sobriety, man. Yeah, appreciate um, it. I mean, it's a it's a work in progress. But I mean, in my eyes, man, you weren't a bad parent when you were drinking. And I and I haven't 
seen you. I didn't see your. I didn't see your drinking as. Dang, we need to go talk to Justin about that. Like <laughs> it was always on the up and up, you know. But you know, we all have things that we that only we know, right? So I'm not trying to downplay it or anything. No, but, but I'm just trying to say, man, that you weren't the one that was like wife beater, throw the bottle in the corner and like rah, 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 everybody shut up. So I'm like, I, I didn't have that perception of you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know. yeah. And, and you know what? I think that's as funny you brought that up. You know, the word perception is what you saw. Mm-hmm. What you was led to believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at two beautiful people and, but I don't live with you. I don't, I don't know who you are when I leave or when the door closes. I hope it's a good guy. Mm-hmm. You pers- you put on to be you know a good dude. But, I try, man. I try, but I don't. But but I'm just I'm just giving an example of yeah. you don't know who I am once the doors close or yeah. the alcohol gets to a level of stupid. You okay. know, you, you may say some things, do some things, and I'm of course I'm not saying putting nobody head through walls or anything like that. But well, I mean, words can be equivalent, man. Yes, and the way you treat people definitely. can be equivalent. I mean. Definitely, and also, we have to realize that these kids see everything, mm-hmm. everything in their sponges. So, to have my kids tell me who and what I was, that hurt. That really, really, really hurt. So, wow. Yeah, man. That 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 sucks. So you just had like a moment, like a sit down moment with some of your kids, or. Where it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like an intervention, like we all sat down, but yeah, it was like a candid conversation, maybe a ride home from work. Mm -hmm. And I'm just discussing, like, hey, man, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, yeah, dad, when you get on this level, we know to go this way and not to say this and blah, 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 because you turn into the Incredible Hulk. I mean, I'm like, dang, these dudes having whole conversations about me in my house. Yeah, that'll like, break, that'll break you down, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it really, it really, really sucks. So, you know, it's a it's a work in progress, and you know, and those who don't know me, I used to have hair down my back, man. I mean, um, dreads, and mm-hmm. I did like a decade of growing my hair, and you know, to prove to myself that I'm serious about it, I, I, I cut my hair off, you mm-hmm. know, and so every time I look in the mirror, it's a reminder. Like I'm serious about it. I'm dead serious about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a work in progress. But you know, what I say, I never drink again. Uh, right now, I look at it like liquor is that medicine you, you your mama trying to get you to take, and mm-hmm. it's nasty, and it's going about make you throw up. And I like as long as I look at it like that, and it's like I don't want that. I don't. You know, it just it doesn't seem appetizing to me at all. Yeah, the negative outweigh the positive. Yeah, and so was there was there like a realization moment, like a key moment or something that happened that you were like, "All right, of why I stopped." Yeah. Well, it was. Um, I mean, if it's something you don't want to, share, oh no, 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 you don't have to. No pressure. Oh no, bro. no, no. Uh, yeah, I only told this story a couple of times. I was at my brother's house, and I was I was drunk. I was bad drunk, you know. But I'm thinking we all drinking. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and I heard my 
siblings and, you know, parents and everybody was there. And I heard them talking about me. Mm. And it was something on the lines of, yeah, well, last time I saw him, he was going to the bathroom and he must have passed out drunk and went to sleep and this and this and blah, blah. And it was just like talking about the clown of the party. Mm. And I just set up and I and I heard that and it was just like that shit hurt my feelings, dude. I mean, it was just like, I, but I wasn't mad at them for what they said. It was the fact that they was talking about me and it was accurate. Mm. It was accurate. And I was like, I'm a whole alcoholic in here. Like, I'm a real drunk. Like, I'm a, you know, and that was one of the last days, but it wasn't the last day. Mm-hmm. But I drive trucks, so we have to do our physicals uh, yearly. Mm-hmm. And I went to do my physical, and that doctor came in and sh- shut the door. And, and she said, I prayed I wasn't going to tell anybody this today, but I, I can't give you your med card because your blood is so bad that legally you can't drive. And that was, that was, that was, that was it. I had already wanted to change, but once Mm -hmm. the health was like so bad, then it's like, I got to, or it's affected my livelihood. Mm -hmm. So I cold Turkey. I left the clinic den and I never looked back. So, wow. Yeah. How long did it take for you to get your blood in the, in the good? Ooh, dude, that was it was a it was a crazy turnaround. I had five weeks to get my numbers down. Mm. And they put me on everything under the sun. I mean, <laughs> from the Metformins, Ozempics, those sergeants, I mean, hey, I'm hey, I'm name dropping, but it was it was everything. Like my body went through the ringer. Really? Like on some bottoming out to get me to flush everything super, super quick. Because my med call is fixing to expire. So talking about A1C went from 13 to 10 in, yeah. in like five weeks. Right. And a 10 to a 5. And so like I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good right now. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's funny, man, because when you were going through that or right after you had went through what you just explained, I yeah. remember, I don't know, you texted me. Or you just called me randomly. I think we, I think we talked. Yeah, and and that was like that conver- that hour conversation we had yeah. that day was like the beginning of us talking again. Yeah, and you told me that you was like, man, it was like one of them things. Like, you know, you walk up to your boy with your head down, you're like, man, yeah. and you told me how fucked up it was, and I was like, all right, Justin, well. My A1C is like 13 too, and I'm on the same medicine you just told me you're on. Like, yeah, I remember. I'm on the same medicine, man. Yeah, like, I like that. and I was just like, wow. Like, yeah. it was a moment of how did we get here? Like, how are we on this at the same time? Um, but yeah, that was wild, man. So yeah, that's the way we. That's why. That's why I learned it from you. When when I had just and didn't we happen to get our blood work done like the same month or something? Was it in August of one yeah, the yeah. August two years ago or something like that? It was something like yeah, that. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I found out when I had started this job that I'm in now. It, it wasn't long after I started till you know I got I got seated with the company and then the insurance is all kicked in and everything and got used to the the financial life cycle of it. Then started diving into 
my benefits and everything. And mm-hmm. that's when I found out. And I hadn't had blood work done in years. Years, Nina? I didn't have any blood work done when I was working with the phone company. Yeah, I think Nina made me go. But with the phone company, I was out climbing poles and doing stuff. And I was, I, I was a lot healthier than I was sitting on the desk. But, yeah. yeah, man, so the journey is like, so you feel like you, I know you said you're sober. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, the A1C, your your blood metrics and everything, you feel like you're you're good in sustaining it? Yes and no. Well, like I was saying earlier, Nina, is that I, I kind of felt like once I got sober, stopped drinking and smoking, I thought it was going to be the end all be all, like, uh, fix all my problems. But it doesn't work like that. You have to actually change your diet, and I'm guilty of, I was like, if I mean, drinking was my best friend. I mean, the bottle don't talk back. It listens to all your problems. And so if you took that away, I'm at least enjoy what I eat. Mm-hmm. So I traded it to, I mean, dude, I used to, once I knew I was bad off drinking, when I started replacing my meals with the drinking instead of eating. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, Justin, you're losing so much weight. Yeah, because I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, I remember that. I wasn't eating. Were you on the medicine when you were losing all that weight? No. Oh, okay, okay. So I you was, weren't on the medicine yet. I was un untreated diabetes and a drunk. I am a ticking time bomb. That yeah. means I am killing my liver, kidney, pancreas about to shut down. You're pissing off so many sugars and you're not eating. Your body can't mm-hmm. build any muscle or, or fat. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, man, so... I thought that because I stopped drinking, it was going to fix everything, but it, but it, but it doesn't. So, the medicine was sustaining the the levels, but once all that's gone and your body's like, okay, you just a normal Joe now. Mm-hmm. It takes you to do what's right. Just like tonight, I mean, I'm not going to eat a lot. I'm going to do you know one one healthy plate. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna overindulge in any sugars or anything. It's about it's about balance. But and my thing is trying to tell myself that it's not a boring life. That's the that's the thing is is convincing your brain that this is not so depressing and so boring. If you want to be here a while, you just got it's some rules to follow. Yeah, and that's yeah. just what I have to tell myself. So yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, like I same medicine as you. Yeah. Um same conditions as you. And it's ongoing for me. I actually we actually just started working out. Yeah. Like a month dope. ago. Um but well, Nina's been working out, so yeah, babe, call me out. Anyways, probably you know, I was on the medicine for a year, but I was yeah. like I was taking the medicine and I felt a little better. But I didn't really change my diet that much. Mm-hmm. I cut I cut down soda some, but I was still having like a twelve ounce every other day or something. Um, still eating big portions, you know. Um, but I, there was a point where I was took the medicine and my points went down from like almost a thirteen to like an eleven. Yeah, I was like, oh look at that. Down at 11, like doing something good. Keep eating, like, you know, Cajun's, Cajun's buffet, what's up? 
you know, Burger King, what's up? Um, and then about three months ago, even when I was taking the medicine, man, I was just feeling so bad. I wake up and just feel terrible. I felt like I was dying. I just I was like sluggish. Um, and then my gout, you know, you ever had gout before? No. Bro, I had gout. I mean, I had gout in my early, in my mid twenties. I remember that. Yeah. And bro, I was having gout flare ups and I was taking my gout medicine and like, I knew why I flared up because I ate a bunch of red meat or some shellfish or something or went, had some drinks. But then it was like a week where I'm like, I'm not going to eat nothing bad. I'm going to eat not portion control. I'm going to stay away from the liquor and the red meat and the shellfish this week. Like, I'm going to cut out pork all this week. I had a gout. Had a gout went to bed, woke up, felt terrible, and had a gout. My foot was flaring up, flaring up again. And I was like, I ain't doing enough. So started working out, um, taking my medicine regularly. I mean, I was taking it semi-regularly. Like, you know, one, two days, I'm good. I missed the morning dose, but I'll take the night dose. Take the night dose and miss the morning dose. Mm-hmm. Started working out. Tried fasting the first week. Went completely downhill. Mm. As far as the fasting, I was like super weak. Completely cut out sugar. I just shocked myself. Mm-hmm. Lost about, about 12 pounds in a couple weeks. Mm. And mostly water weight and stuff, but... um. But now just trying to maintain, like I'm working out, trying to work out daily. Been been on point so far. Um, you know, there's some sprinkle days in there, hit or miss. But yeah, man, health is wealth. And I'm like, I'm trying to turn it around. So, you know, I'm not nowhere near where you may be as far as good A1C levels or, mm. or feeling great or anything. I mean, I do feel great because I'm working out. I feel a lot better now, but I feel like I still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm taking one last shot to look look like I'm 20 years old again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, one last thing about the health thing, if I could add about your levels, you may feel bad when you're doing good because it's not your norm of where your body is used to sitting. So, so for instance, like if if your sugar's always around a 200. 180 or whatever and you're supposed to be at 80 to 120 mm-hmm. if you're when you when you're at a 80 you're gonna feel pretty bad are you measuring your sugar not like i supposed to i mean i was real heavy at the mm-hmm. beginning of the journey but um you're gonna feel bad just how your eyes light up when you get that dose of sugar mm-hmm. because it it's it's a false sense of energy for you mm-hmm. but you know the crash is coming so if you take a medicine to lower your sugar and you're not normally used to sitting there, it's going to feel pretty shitty. Mm. So knowing your numbers is a good thing to see where you are. So what I'm saying is you could be feeling bad thinking that you're sitting high, but you're actually sitting low. Mm. So you go to do something to lower it again, like right on the treadmill you're bottoming out and you don't even know it. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That, it, my doctor didn't recommend me to monitor my sugar, nor okay. did they recommend any testing or 
anything, which now that you're saying this is, is pretty odd because my A1C was way up there. I mean, it was like your A1C is high, you're confirmed, you're diabetic. So we're putting you on diabetic medicine, high cholesterol medicine, high blood pressure medicine, like all three, bam, 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 on one trip. You know, it was like, it was pretty much the visit where it's like, hey, you you ain't young no more. You're breaking down. And I was shown how to take my blood pressure. I had sent like... Uh insurance sent me a blood pressure machine but they never sent me any sugar monitoring stuff so i wonder why i wasn't offered that <laughs> i don't know you, was i was i shorted yeah i think so uh definitely Dang. definitely you, if you was a1 a13 a uh, a yeah i mean a1c excuse me a13 yeah. definitely uh but you know a uh, a guy once said these doctors practice medicine so they have to care as well. And mm-hmm. your situation wasn't anything preventing you from getting a job or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I don't want to say it's not life threatening, but it's like, hey, here's your numbers. What you going to do with it? See you, in the, see you in a year. You know, I'm going to let you know where you sit, but if you want to monitor it, it's kind of up to you, but mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the medicine to drop it so or lower it. So. Okay. Well, I have an appointment then in November, so we'll see what's up. We'll see what's up. So, man, we done went around the world. Um, Justin, you got any questions for me? Man. I know we got a shit ton to talk about, bro. We had so many ideas. I think it's, I think it's too much to capture in one episode, man. But it was definitely fun. Yeah. But um, I want to say... That I'm grateful that our friendship came back around full circle, and I and I and I want to say, if anything, I think it's the alpha male curse. I think I, I really, I really do think that. I think you know, two alphas in one room. I say something out of pocket or whatever, walk back or whatever the case may be. I don't know. I don't. I don't think we ever had that type of smoke or anything though. Yeah. I don't think we ever have, bro. I think mm. we just got we just got busy, and I know that's the common excuse between a bunch of dudes. But like real talk, I don't think we ever beefed yeah. over. I don't think we had fallen out or anything, man. We just yeah, got busy. Man, you got amnesia. I do. Yeah. Well, you know what that means. <laughs> you didn't know. Well, I just. <laughs> I guess it's just either a it wasn't really something to be held on to, or I may just forgave it and decided it, it wasn't really that yeah, big, man. yeah. So I don't know I don't I don't remember man like I don't know if you I mean you're welcome to remind me but if we <laughs> if, if it's all good it's water on the bridge water on the bridge you know what I mean like like I'm in a point in my mentality bro it's like is it really that is it really worth it like if somebody do me wrong or like shiesty on me or something or just nasty towards me or something now I'm more leaning to like, man, something's going on where they just not having a good time right now or they going through something. That's why. Like, I don't hold on to it. I can't. Mm. I can't no more, bro. I can't. Like, man, I like, wish I had that bone. But people, but people, man, they do it. People do it. They they hurt other people because they hurting, man. Like, it, it, that's yeah, just they, really you what it is. You got to hurt me, though. I mean, <laughs> like, but, but I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I wish I was more forgiving, but to me, I think as I get older, if it's not affecting the kids or I'm missing out on some major coins because of it, mm. it's not as important. But I want to let you know that this meant a lot for me as far as showing. Like, if I say I'm going to do something, it don't matter. It don't matter the miles, whatever. And I have to keep being like that beacon because even if you don't feel it back coming to you, I really, really, like, my lineage and, and, and like, I, I wonder what my eulogy going to sound like. I re- Like, I really, I that really plays a part in my mind. Like, yeah. what they're going to say about them. Well, is it is it going to be more pros and cons? Is it? I think everybody say he was a good guy. To everybody's everybody's funeral, just uh-huh. because it's the it's the thing to do. You're gone, but I want mine to have weight to it. I really wholeheartedly believe that. Well, if I'm there, I'll have some weight to it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell I tell Boogie this, man. I'm, I'm gonna live forever, bro. Okay. I see you there. I mean, it's it's a wild thing, but man, I think I think by the time we get to the croaking point, man, they'd figure something out, bro. Nah, not in this. Not in. You don't think so? Not in. I don't know, man. Nah, you gonna miss that boat? I don't know, bro. Well, I might miss that boat, but they might they might freeze something, they freeze a little DNA or something. I, I say, I say, your they kids. might, bro. I say, your kids. They freeze. They freezing kids. people now, though. I don't think us. They they working on finding out how to. The stuff that's already frozen, trying to do that again. Yeah, I don't know, bro. That's way down the road. We just got to get our A one C down, and we'll be there. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me let me let me give let me give one memory. We had um, I don't know who came up with it. DMB. Who who came up with DMB? Y'all, you did. I don't think I came up with DMB. Yeah, man. The Mississippi Boys was, it consisted of, ladies and gentlemen, Jet Brown, Julius, JP, Jarvis, Francis, and CP3. Yeah. And we was this paintball gang of sorts. (laughs) We were. So, I coined myself for being a leader most of the time, but I'm also a fuddy-duddy. Which means I don't want no smoke. I, I I just I want to have a good time. But this guy sitting across from me, I don't know who he knows, but we'll just pull up in this random, and it'd be just patch of land in the middle of the woods, and he like follow me, right? So we walk out here, right? This uh-huh. man got a push lawnmower. He tells me we need a some something by some something square cut out. I'm looking at my brother like, Vic, you want me to push mold <laughs> this patch of land? It was like an acre, bro. I don't, I don't know whose property this is. I didn't is. either, bro. It was in the woods. This dude, he gets mad at me. He grabs the push. <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. And he's he's pushing, he's pushing this acre. And I'm just looking over at Julius like, you think he mad at us? <laughs> like, <laughs> I had no idea of any of that. 
Before you know it, him and CP3 got these two bases. I mean, the hammers and nails come out, the drills, and all of a sudden we got this 10-foot wall. This side, this side, we got barrels everywhere. And, man, I remember... I remember one time we looked up and these white dudes just came through the woods, man, looked like SWAT. I'm like, where did they come from? They yeah. just they just walked up on us. You remember? Yeah. And but they were there to play paintball too. They whooped our ass. Yeah. They was like some professional paint. Every time my yeah. head came up above that damn bunker, man, dude was just tagging my ass. I'm talking about lighting my <laughs> he was lighting my head up, dude, but yeah, it was good times. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we were having a paintball for about uh, a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. And that spot in the woods was in Socher. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, bro, I don't remember how I found that spot. I don't like, I, I'm now thinking about how somebody had to bring me there. What was we? Somebody, no, somebody told me about that spot. Because it visited. had barrels in Yeah. It. Like it was for paintball. But okay. You know me, I do too much. So when I went there and played maybe one or two times, I was like, we're bringing the trailer back with stuff, and we're making this an official spot. So it was kind of like we kind of claimed that spot for a little while. We in somebody's backyard finna get shot, man. Yeah. Man. Well, we never had any troubles out there. No, no, nah, nah, we didn't. We didn't. I mean, that we grilled out there. I remember when y'all got oh, married. yeah, bro. Y'all got married, and then y'all went one way, and it was like a whole group of like 20 people out there. We grilling, chilling, music playing. Yeah. It was dope. Yeah, that was crazy. What a way to... Have like an after wedding. It was almost like the week after or something. It was something like that. Yeah, like like we're all been together and let's go play paintball. Yeah, we. I actually brought Sean and his friends paintball in a year ago, something like that. Oh, New Year's Eve, something like that. So I bring in the paintball and social. Mm-hmm. Old days, bro. Old days kicking in. All right. So we playing woods ball like there's this base you have to capture. This is the second game. First game was just warm up. First game, I was just letting them shoot each other because it's the first time they were shot paintball. And I'm like, I'm going to be easy. I don't want to just go out there and claim. Second game, same thing. Group of other boys, these we didn't know, they were serious. They were playing serious. So I'm like, all right, time to bring old school back out. So I'm pushing, dog. I'm pushing up. And I'm like, as soon as they popped their head out, I'm I'm blinding them, bro. I'm hitting them in the visor. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, they about to know who's out here. Um, My third move up, I go to jump over a log. And the ground ain't there when I jump over. What? It's lower. I tore my calf. Dang. Yep. And I was hobbling around for about three months. Torn calf. Lady at work looked at it, stretched it. I said, you tore your calf. I said, dang. And the rest of that day, I was, I was, I was hurting bad that day. So I tried to act young that day, bro, and played paintball for 12 minutes. Damn. 12 minutes of return glory, bro. And the rest of the day, I let them play. I sat the rest of the day. You had all your gear from back in the day, or you went mm-hmm. and bought everything? No, I rented everything. Oh, you rented? Okay. Yeah, trash gear. Man, I sold all that gear for pennies. Damn. Yeah. Like, oh. I think when I sold it, I had a paintball gun that was like $600. And I didn't even, I ain't even shot it yet. And I sold it for like a hundred bucks. It was bad, bro. I was gotten tough times and just sold it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I randomly go on eBay and look for that spider ACS, that red that fades to black. <laughs> Damn. I still go look for one, man. 
Why did I bring this shit up? Now we can't we can't get them shut up now. <laughs> Damn. Damn, DMB. Yeah, for real, man. For real. DMB, the Mississippi boys. Well, Justin, um, this is the first of many, bro. Yeah, man. For real. So uh we got so much to talk about. So many things I want to pick your brain about. Um and then it's like every time I talk to you, man, we got something new to talk about. Yeah, like definitely. something something that happened. Um Man, the distance thing. I know we talked about doing this like over the phone, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna dabble with that a little bit while you're here. See if we can set something up to where okay. we can do it remote because distance thing, man. Um, but I wanted to get the first one out in person, bro. Yeah, I feel like I can't do it any other way, you know. Yeah, it was dope, man. Yeah, yeah, it, so. and uh, hopefully, we'll get a couple more in while you're here. We'll see. There's anybody you can have on here with us? Who, who would it be? Man, okay. See, I, I was thinking dead or alive. I don't know why. <laughs> How the hell a dead person gonna be on there? But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't who know. do you think would be on here and be able to you know have what? a conversation like like we have? You know what? Y'all did an episode that was Teen Talk. If mm-hmm. I had my older boys and we actually dove into the lives of these kids, you know, maybe college life and mm-hmm. high school life, you know, maybe Sean, you know, and, and I think doing that again and they just really open up and just let it all hang out. I think that'll be a dope episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely do for another one of those. Uh, we got to get some, some of Sean's other friends in here too, though. Um yeah, man, the kids always surprise surprise the heck out of me with 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 the level of thinking that they have, and it's like, dang, man, the stuff y'all are thinking about, I didn't think about till I was way out of school. <laughs> like looking back, I was just trying to trying to look cool, you know, make sure I had some Buffalino boots and some Fubu on and the Geneva watch, and I was like, oh if I had that, God. I was good, bro. Fubu, bro, hey man, you remember those white Fubu hats? Ones. The ones that were made out of towel material. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't find one, bro. Damn. Can't find one. Been looking for a long time. Then you remember me looking, trying to find that white Fubu hat. Found one. It was a navy blue, which is whack. And that mug looked washed and dried like a mug. I was like, man, it was like three hundred bucks. Damn. Used. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to find them hats, bro. Damn. Yeah. But yeah, man, um, I'm in town. I uh came down to do the podcast, man. Drove right in. We got some Zay J wings popped off. We did a 50, yeah. we did a fifty piece. Off man. the chain. Yeah, we did a fifty piece. Uh so you know, we do sell wings on the weekends in the Tupelo location, you know, kinda small right now. We're doing plates, you know, um maybe hook up some socials a little later, but um then um, tomorrow, man, I'm going to lay a record down with my cousin Kelly Kell, man. Looking okay. forward to that tomorrow. Okay. Also, my brother Quinn is having a baby, a baby girl, man. So I'm surprised him at the baby shower. So okay. We're going to get all that done, man, and hit the road and back in that truck, man. So, hey, man. Yeah. It's this cool. man came on a 48 hour, um, on a 48 hour pit master slash big brother. Slash recording artist tour, bros. 
It's slash, gonna be, slash interview, bro. It's you know what I'm saying? Like, it's gonna be more like 35, 35 turn and burn, but you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's just I think a lot of times we make excuses and I and I just wanna be the leader to say, you know, make time for whatever you yeah. wanna do, you know. Well people make time for what's important to them. Yeah. And yeah. Some you know, some a lot of times we make excuses. Yeah. But I feel like with me and you, bro, we really we really really pushing like mm. I mean there's some people when I hear it I know it's an excuse and then there's some people they don't even have to explain anything like I can't make that I know they're doing something that's that's important mm-hmm. you know and I feel like the direction that you're moving and how you're steering your family it's it's you you, you you're doing the right thing like you, you're doing something important all the time I don't feel like you waste any time you know, and uh, that's a big change I've seen in you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's big. So cool, man. Well, personally, man, I like, you know, like I said, I like, I like, I love your family. Um, I like to get JP on here. Yeah, it'd be dope. Yeah. Cause me and him have some time in high school together and uh, share some similar experiences and, you know, just like to get, get old. We, we call him old Roy. <laughs> old Roy on here Old Roy We call him Roy Because he's in the construction game So we call He used to work for Roy Anderson So we just call him Old Roy I don't know I don't know where that came from But Shit I call him five eights, Man I mean You know the measurements and stuff So he It's just a little inside thing man We always tease him About the little The whole Roy okay. Job The construction job Man he, yeah. he rocked it for so long man But Shout out to Jay man Cause um He's 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 a guy, a man, a father, who's actually doing what he loves. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people not doing what they love, right? And I, you probably heard that on a previous podcast. They just doing it, yeah, because it's working and paying the bills, and you know, yeah, that's something I like to. I was someone I like to get on here, and and uh, Julius too, man. I ain't talked to that man in a little while. Julie Jew. Yeah, yeah, we gotta get on here. All right, Justin, well, man. Bro, good, good, good talking to you, bro. And uh, we're gonna have another one out coming soon. Yeah, so, man. let's do it. Yes, sir. All right. Well, this has been the Southern Sauce Podcast. Justin, aka Jet Brown, here. Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming. And this is Father Francis. We are signing out to the next one. Appreciate you hanging with us. Holler at you next time. <laughs>